Hungry Trilobite Podcast would like to start by acknowledging SoonerCon. Get ready for the next chapter in Oklahoma's longest-running fan-run pop culture convention. SoonerCon will be returning in 2024, June 21st through 23rd. Get ready for a weekend of cosplay, fun and excitement, vendors, gaming, and more. You can go to SoonerCon.com for more information. Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. For today's episode, I got to visit the headquarters of Phenom Comics and talk to Tom and Joe Finolio. The two have a great comic called Hunter Ninja Bear, and we're going to get talking about that right away. But I want to let you know at the end of the episode, I'm going to have some news about this podcast, too. So good stuff all around. Let's get started. We are live here at Phenom Comics on location with Tom and Joe Finolio. How are you guys doing today? Good. Doing real good. Yeah. Good, to, good to have you here on yeah. site. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. I just finished the copy of Hunter Ninja Bear I picked up not too long ago, and I really want to talk about this comic. You guys put this out, was it two years ago? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Two, two years ago, but we've been, it's been in the works for three to four years. Yeah, it's, it's quite a project. I think anyone who's taking a look at it can, uh, can attest to it. It's, it's Quite a compilation of a lot of work, a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work in writing and art. I can imagine. I'm not in the business of giving spoilers, but I am going to say it is basically a three-way war between a group of ninjas, a group of hunters, and a group of bears. It it delivers what it's on the label. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, well, we always say that it's like rock, paper, scissors, Uh just a little more violent. Sure. So hunter beats bear, bear beats ninja, ninja will beat the hunter. And uh, these are just loose confines because growing up, Joe and I loved like the good, the bad, the ugly. We loved the Kurosawa Japanese classics. We loved Godzilla. So we took everything that we loved growing up into this. So it was a great little vehicle to take some of our favorites and bring them to life. I was wondering how this all came about because the concept is really neat. And the concept is exciting. Um, it's, it's not like anything on my shelf right now. But at the same time, it's worthy to be next to everything on my shelf right now. It's, okay. a, it's, it's not a superhero comic, it's not a war comic per se, but it really does fit in well with the, 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 the epicness of it. Well, that's nice of you to say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we think so. I think we've had so many stories. I mean, I don't know. Um, it just sort of came up and Joe and I whittle it down. Oh, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this. And um, I think the, probably the one scene that we didn't do justice on Joe's front was the, the crossing over from... Uh, Japan into uh, the States where Joe's like a big pirate that loves Jaws and I think if this ever came into the film side that we'll really kind of draw on that but uh, we're always taking things that we like. Yeah I think you gave it credit I mean it's you'll see that it's a, it's a lot of different settings a lot of different stories and it's all things that that we like we think are cool so we put them in there and Tom's mentioning tall ships that's kind of cool the, the you know tall ships of the San Fran Cape Horn days, they're even made a, a mark in here. So it's a little bit of everything. If you like wilderness, if you like, you know, monsters in a sense with the bear, if you like hunters, if you like throwback hunters, if you like martial arts, if you like a little bit of everything is in there in fine detail. And that, it has that feel to it. It's like it, you mentioned before, it was a, a concept of, well, everything we think is cool, we're going to put in there and make it work. And it does <laughs> work. In a way, like it's not like Sharknado, or you just like try to see. No, no, it actually yeah. does work well. It, within the history of the time, it's believable. 
may not be accurate, but it's believable, and that's the important part. Okay, except for the, and this is something that we can't stand. We hate when we see a 1970s movie and they have garbage cans from the 2000s of plastic ones. You know, sure, sure. we are ficklers for having continuity within the time frames. So we spent a lot of time, even the captain's log, when they came into the San Fran Harbor, the, the, the ship, the captain, you've got the people within Japan. So it is a piece of historical fiction as much as we can take, obviously, the hunters, the bears, the ninjas. But within the concept, if, if everyone drills down to the different uh, time periods, we spent so much time just making sure that it was historically correct as much as we could. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, yeah, it was kind of fun. And I think anyone who's listened, watching, if they have any, if they find something, tell us, because it's of interest to us as well. We want to make the best right. And, it's, you know, as much as we think we got it right, if there's something wrong, tell us, because that's, that's fun for us too. You clearly did your homework. That's yeah. the point I'm getting at. It's yeah. like somebody can nitpick here and there, but it makes sense within the context of the story. Yeah. And it's yeah. a good story. And I would also encourage you, as you're watching through the many, many, many grisly fight scenes, no pun intended, <laughs> don't slow down through the action because the action, that's where the artistry really comes out. That's where you see the best in terms of, of the layouts and, and the, the, the motion. And it's there's a tendency, I think, some people have to skip right from word balloon to word balloon. And this is not a comic you want to do that to. Yeah. Good point. yeah, thank you. And they say half the people read the page first and half the people look at the art first. And I look at the art. I'll say that. That's me. And uh, we really wanted, if you look at the backgrounds, I think a lot of the comics today, and it's just time frames. I mean, this isn't a critique of any of the comics, but we really do like the backgrounds. We do like the detail. We do like every panel looking like a snapshot of real life. And so I think going through the book, the readers are almost forced to come off those text bubbles because the art, Mel Ruby and uh, Rob um, Hunter and Ivan Nunes, they just did a spectacular job with Chuck's words. Mm -hmm. So um, it's really a credit to the artists involved. But I don't think people that read first can actually pull their eyes away from the art. It's that good. You know, that's something, talk about how long it's taken to bring this to market. I mean, Tom has worked diligently with all these artists. And I remember back in those days before it was even released, you know, how long does it take to make one page of art? You know, it'd be, it'd be one page of art was critiqued for a week, mm -hmm. and then it'd be onto another page of art, and this is over and over. So, so that's something that's, people see it and they realize every every piece is a work of art because people literally took that much time to, to make it a, a piece of art. Right, know? right. Three hundred sixty pages. So if someone does a page a day, that's three hundred. That's a year. Well, there's a writer, there's a artist, there's an inker, there's a colorist, there's yeah. a letter. When you start putting those together, that's a lot of time. Yeah. And this crew, um, the team, and I should put Taylor Esposito did the lettering too, fantastic letters. But they were a machine, and we got spoiled because this was our first book that we really dug into, and we were we, we were truly spoiled by how they just worked like a machine. When you're talking about those backgrounds, I mean, I would definitely say I, I noticed the the color, the lighting effects on there. It really does have a, almost a snapshot or even an impressionist painting feel to it there, which really makes you want to just stop and soak in the mood of, of the scene each time. Oh, thank you. Yeah. 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 And we'll say Ivan Nunes because they had we had brought in some different colors to see how it worked. And when Joe and I saw Ivan's lighting and his color, his palette, we were blown away. We it just it turned a page into a page into a work of art. Ivan Nunes is truly one of the top colorists in the industry. He's just really refined. So, kudos to Ivan. Yeah, I. In fact, I think uh, 
every one of the artists, you could say that about if you dug into their individual work. But I mean, yeah. I remember the first time I saw Rob Hunter's painting, it was like, wow, this is, it, it's kind of an education for us as well, of just how, you know, the different, what to look for, you know. We all naturally have an intrinsic draw to a certain quality of art. That's why whatever's on your wall at home is different than our walls at home. Everyone's drawn to something. But I guess if I could say that the people that Tom assembled, you guys, all, all of you had a common vision of, of, of what was, I guess, of interest, desirable, looked good, detail, good coloring. You guys all worked so closely. And well, so I, I, I think when we uh, picked Mel, you know, when Mel came in, yeah. I think, you know, Mel, if you look at the book, it's very, I, I would never say uh, uh, manga-ish, you know, I would never say that, but it does have, especially for the Oriental, the, you know, the Japanese theme, you've got really that kind of edginess that, you know, it does kind of pull in the anime vibe in a sense. So once we saw Mel's pencils, we were shocked because Mel really, coming off of Game of Thrones, where it was very gothic and it was very rushed, I'll say, because of timelines on, on their side. Mel dug in and Mel just put out a beautiful a work of art for Mel Rubin. And because he was because he loved the story, he was thrilled to be working with Chuck Dixon, as we all were. And I don't think that Mel has a better product out there. And that says a lot because of his catalog of work. So now mentioning some of the really cool people you had working on this project, I'm really interested how you got this A team of people together here because um, I don't know, were you able to put out a comic before this? This is your first? No, we're wrong. Yeah, and this is, it really starts with Tom and his drive to okay. find his vision of he wanted the best people on his, on his project. We well, found Rob first. Well, Rob, yeah, yeah. that was part of it, though. Yeah. That was yeah. all part of it. Rob was a huge, I mean, he was the introduction to all these. Yeah. Outside of Joe and I, uh, I guess, roles, Rob Hunter is really, or you know, was within this project and other projects a driving force and bringing the talent in. Rob has just the uh, utmost respect of the artists in the industry. He inks for DC for decades, and his you know style is just so iconic to Rob Hunter, that grittiness, you know, you see it. And once Rob met us, we flew down there, met him, and he saw our, I guess, dedication to the project, that he could put his word out there. Bell, you know, hey guys, everybody, these guys are, you know, mm -hmm. want to do this. And then it just started doing steamrolling. You know, Chuck, didn't, you know, Chuck saw our synopsis, our breakdown, our script, and he loved it. And Mel, obviously Chuck Dixon, and then Ivan saw this compilation, and I think Mel brought in Ivan. I'm not really sure, but uh, it all really started with Rob Hunter. A lot of uh, a lot of credit goes to Rob Hunter. So you're showing Chuck Dixon the the layout of your script. There is are all 12 issues completely mapped out, story to story. Yeah, if you look at the synopsis, and this is what we you know really for our third story, something fierce. We wrote it. So that's our first. But Joe and I were really kind of screenwriters for the hopes and dreams that we had going forward. So all of our stories are really in film script. Mm -hmm. So we did not know how to write for the comic books, the paneling, there's tones, there's pacing. We just had no idea of that. So, and this was really to Rob. So Rob saw what we wanted, the Hunter Ninja Bear, the story was there. He said, you've got to bring in somebody to teach you. And out came, he you know, brought in Chuck, Chuck accepted. And Chuck was such a gentleman. He's like a sweetheart of a, uh, of a professional because we had a thousand questions. Chuck, why are you doing this? Wait, you're moving our story. What's going on? What's this? And Chuck knows how to write for, you know, Chuck's a writer. He's a professional writer. We are not. We tell stories. We like, you know, storytelling. But uh, Chuck really showed us how to tell a story within comics. And our follow-up story to this is Star Writers, which is coming out very soon. Tony Bedard 
which everybody will know for the Nightwing days, Tony Bedard is coming in and he did the same for us where he showed us a very different style where it's a lot of collaboration. So we were more involved with Star Riders than we were with Hunter Ninja Bear once Chuck got a hold of it. And then once we saw the final product, then we started tweaking it the back end. But Hunter Ninja Bear was really laid down pretty solidly and then Chuck just tore it apart and made it into, into a gem. <laughs> it certainly did there. Um, are you following up? Do you have follow up to Hunter Ninja Bear as well? We've begun and we know the ending and Joe and I are discussing, we're having our own discussions. Yeah, about no the spoilers ending. in this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so yes, yeah, so the ending. So we say, because right now we're doing another where we're trying to condense these because the world of film and streaming that we want to go, all these stories were built for film. So we're, we're trying to make this into, take another life form. But with part two, part three, we always say that it's going to go from Hunter Ninja Bear to um, John Wick meets Kill Bill meets Godzilla. It just gets ramped up. Hunter Ninja Bear Providence, volume one, is strictly an origin. We get down to the final hunter, the final ninja, final bear, then we roll. And that was the whole idea of this first volume, was to get down to the final hunter, final ninja, final bear. Okay, now I'm going to play with you a bit here. In the universe where this becomes a movie, a cinematic universe even, is it a what an Eastern style martial arts film? Is it a U.S. style Western film, or is it a almost a nature documentary? Yes. Yeah, I I think it's um. It's, you know, there's another one. I think we all have our own visions. I think that's maybe a little premature to discuss right now. You know. Yeah, Joe's saying this because we have because even the film. I guess everyone that has come up to us, we've had, we just had meetings with some uh, screenwriters, and to put this into film, it would take another year, just because, you know, this journey is really not just a, a hero story. You bring in different folds, because there's three entities, and for film, you really need that, 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 that hero's, to be on uh, his path to be 80% of the film, and without that, the viewer gets uh, confused. Yeah. But with a streaming, which we never wanted to go into, like a Netflix or a, a Disney or anything like that, for the limited series, this is ready to go. It's built for it. Everybody has said Hunter Ninja Bear is perfect for that limited episode run because it's here. It's it's segmented. You've got the different characters. There's more forgiving on the um, on the streaming or the TV telling story. Mm -hmm. You know that you can kind of bring in different characters from every episode and then make sure they merge at the end. So we're Joe's right is that at this point it's so premature because we're learning. We're still learning. We always sure. thought these would be films. And now everyone's telling us that this is not built for film as much as it's built for a, a series. I don't want to agree or disagree with anybody there because that this is your, your baby. But I mean, if you didn't break up the story into, if you didn't take this, this 12 part story and put it into a whole movie, it would be kind of already set up for individual episodes of a series. Yeah. And oh, sure. I can see the logic there. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I guess one one you what you could be rest assured on is that all of the dynamic energy that's portrayed here, that's something that's that's kind of in Tom's core DNA that he's been driving. So whatever goes on in the film or whether it is however format it takes, it'll have that same quality, that same, you know, call it energy in a sense you know there's a lot of details a lot of uh grab the viewer grab the readers you know whether it's detail whether it's storytelling whether it's color it'll all be you know i think i think that'll come oh, through yeah. 
and we've already worked with uh, live action, you know, FX and, and whatnot mm -hmm. to bring a 3D model to bear. So we've been working with some people out west for that. But, um, you know, we're, we're going to draw from our, our loves. It's going to have a little little Josie Wales. It's going to have sure. a little um, Good, the Bad, the Ugly. It's going to have a sure. little uh, Hidden Fortress, Kurosawa. It's going to have a little, like I said, Godzilla, Kill Bill. You know, so you talk about all those classics that grievous. All the great films have that 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 feel. Mm -hmm. they, you know, once you see it, you know that it was just a, a very well done product. And that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what we're about. I've said on this show a couple times with different people that the problem I have with Hollywood right now is that there's nothing... There's not really a new idea out there. And I say that because with this example that when Ghostbusters came out, there wasn't a Ghostbusters the day before. It showed up and it was a whole new thing. Same with Indiana Jones, even though you could draw the comparison between that and other things. It was a new thing. Right. This is a new thing. This is a legitimately new thing thank that you. people would enjoy, that people would dig for a lot of reasons. Yeah, well, thank you. And it, it's really, and this is why we appreciate you coming out, is that we need to get the word out. Joe and I are not you know, a marketing and advertising company. We're, we're two guys that are just trying to push out good stories. So we're learning because we don't have the team behind us, but what we do have is a product. And that's what we made sure it all stops and starts with what we're putting out there and all of our stories. We thank you for saying that. That's actually probably the nicest yeah. thing that you like we've heard because we do get we that feel that and we feel the same way. We yeah. feel like this is new. This is novel. Mm -hmm. This is, this is everything, all the other movies and stories you've seen, but it's different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's another, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's different, right? That's, it's, we feel the same way. So yeah. it's nice. And we've heard that from trade shows, from other, you know, interviews. And everyone that's read it, we have never had an okay response to 100 Ninja Bear. We've never had a, oh, okay. They've always been loving it over the top. We've never had a negative review. So we're very, so that was a big trial balloon for us too. Is would people enjoy our way of telling stories? Our stories, you know, there, there are generation gaps. There are people like different styles. You know, there, there's, there's a world out there, and um, we're just trying to tap into it. So, yeah. I mean, one thing I like, and again, I'm not doing spoilers here, but I will say, as I was working my way through the story, I didn't really see. I wasn't confident where the story would end up, which I always <laughs> like. I wasn't necessarily sure who the hero was or even if I should like their motives, but I still wanted to follow them on the journey. And that to me is an engaging story that is worth it no matter how it winds up. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. How many times do you walk into a story, you turn on the movie and in the first five minutes you figured out the formula, mm -hmm. you know, there's that formula. Everybody knows it. Rocky gets down, you know, and Adrian's got to pull him up. You know, there's always those moments, which is fine. We try to think outside the box. So, Thank you. That's another thank you. Is that we did not want to be formulaic. We wanted it to be different, and yeah. And I think there's the hesitation, you know, the next phase because it's trying. It's going through different iterations. It's how do you put a spin on it so that somebody maybe wouldn't see that spin, but it still fits the story. So right. You know, so we all like the the movies and the stories and the comics when the unexpected happens. You just mentioned it. Mm -hmm. We like it too. So we try to, you know, that's what we're trying to think of the next yeah. phase. We're trying to come up with an Empire Strike, Strikes Back, not a, it's a terrible sequel. You know, just a, a Grease 2, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're trying to do. Fair enough, fair enough. I mean, I'm looking at the, the back of the book here with some other projects you mentioned. You were saying you had some other stuff coming out. Number one, it's, it's tough to get out one product, much less three or four. So I admire your time management skills there for sure. 
Well, thank you. And it's really just, it's time, it's a financial commitment, it's the artist believing in the product, it's worthy, you know, we, we bring in editors, you know, to do it. Um, my one son actually helped edit with uh, Vaughn Coleman. They, they actually knew each other through film school. Mm -hmm. But, you know, really the editors are essentially Joe and I going through and reading it. So the time management really comes in just, uh, it's hard getting the work in. It really is. I, I think we're pretty good at time management, but the artists have so many um, commitments. And so Phenom Comics sort of gets pushed down the old totem pole. You know, you know we're competing because all these artists we're bringing in, Scott McDaniel's on a, another piece. We've got Bart Sears. We've got Alex Sinclair. We've got uh, Tony Bedard. We've got, I'm trying to think, Ace uh, Continuado. We've got a, a plethora of just A-listers. And when DC and Marvel come in, well, we should be kind of put down. So we've been kind of fighting that, is trying to sneak into their schedules. And these artists believe in our story so much that they've been willing to, to, to cram it in. So mm -hmm. it's been very, uh, we've been very fortunate for the commitment on their side. So it's us, but it's really a lot of credit should be going to the artists because they're really wedging in some, some of our work into their existing schedule. I'll totally give them all the credit in the world there. And I can imagine not trying to speak for them that this is the kind of thing they would do because it is fun, because it's a step outside what they do in their nine to five, and everybody needs that, no matter I've, what you do. I've, I've heard that. I mean, I've heard yeah. that from the guys. It's that it's. Um, I also think, and Tom, you correct me if I'm speaking. It's almost the dynamic of, because Tom does all the Tom is every day engaging with these people, and it's not your typical DC Marvel where here go do it. Here's your money. Go do it. There's a lot of interaction. There's a lot of, hey, what do you think? Bouncing. There's a lot of, you know, kind of the, the feedback maybe that DC and Marvel wouldn't want or doesn't ask for. You know, mm -hmm. Tom's like, hey, I want, you guys are the best. Help, you know, I'll, I'll take your advice. We're not too proud to take somebody else's yeah. advice. And I think they, I, I think when I see it, you know, just a, a couple times that I've met some of these, these artists, I can see that you guys really have good interaction between, like, good, yeah. you know, it's always camaraderie in a sense. You know, yeah, so, you know, we just try to streamline. So we go through our changes. We have, we, you know, we sit down, go through a chapter, make the edits. We see what we like, we, and, we, and we reach out. It's very simple, you know, but I think Joe and I are quicker on our edits, so it's easy versus the artists, but they've always listened to us, and um, yeah, we're just very fortunate. You know, really, we've had some artists that just couldn't do the commitment because of their, you know, schedules, but for the most part, you're right. Everyone's really just, I think it's, yeah, it's not the, hey, get the page done no matter what attitude and that's it these these artists are artists they want to create something and we said hey you guys dc might have marvel might have a thousand books out this week joe and tom only have one okay like hey we don't have the luxury of having batman in our arsenal so you can put a thousand books that no one reads but everyone's really buying batman we don't have the luxury that everyone's going in to see um what's marvel spider-man well you could put out a thousand blue beetles whatever and stories that no one's going to read you've got spider-man Phenom Comics doesn't have that. We need Hunter Ninja Bear to be our Batman. We need it to be our Spider-Man. You know, because if you look at the comic uh, books, the, the major ones, DC and Marvel are making money on the films, but if you look at the sales, Batman's carrying these guys. So they can do whatever to, you know, Wonder Woman's pretty good, but I guess Green Lantern, Batman will be there to save the day. Spider-Man, you can change Thor up a little bit, but don't change Spider-Man. Don't change, Iron Man's a good one too. But, um, we just don't have that luxury. I wish we did. One day we will, yeah. hopefully. 
we can throw out some stuff that are a little more uh, daring, I guess. Mm. Uh, but right now, we're, we're just trying to put the best thing that we possibly can do. Well, I thank you for reaching behind the curtain and, and probably telling me a little more about your future plans than you might have wanted to. But I, yeah. it's a really cool idea, and I do hope you get there. Um, now, if I remember correctly, you launched the initial release of this book on Kickstarter. Yeah. What was yeah. your experience with that? Yeah, I mean, I get, we weren't very, uh, it was our first time. I mean, I don't know what yeah, you Yeah, I mean, it was our first experience with Kickstarter, too. Um, I, what I think was cool, I don't know if this is relatable, but I guess it's, it's a tangent. It was cool that when, at the various comic shows, the fans would come up who purchased on Kickstarter, would come up just to come and say hi and say, this is awesome. Yeah. I thought cool. that was very cool. You're putting a face to these, you know, just a whatever, a yeah. registered name or something on mm -hmm. Kickstarter. Yeah. So that was very, that was that was very cool. I don't know. It was. Uh, we always wanted Kickstarter. We weren't looking to fund our project through Kickstarter. We were looking at it as advertising because we don't do the uh, monthly issues. We just do the volumes. So we had one book. We don't have the monthlies. So we need the advertising. So we looked at uh, Kickstarter and Indiegogo as just vehicles to get the word out to. A, and advertise, you know, to just do a base of consumers that we couldn't reach. So for us, we are lousy. I mean, I should, we, I guess that's, I was supposed to send out more, I guess, a daily routine for um, advertising for Kickstarter, but it's new. You know, how, you know, we did Instagram, we did uh, Twitter, we did uh, Facebook, we did all these, you know, we went out for the trade shows, we did the podcast, but it's very hard to, to just reach the masses. It's harder than you would think, you know? It's just that we don't have a dancing chimpanzee knocking a guy in the, you know, nether regions with a wiffle ball bat. We're not trying to be silly. We're not trying to get the easy, you know, you don't see a line of dancing girls behind us. It might take me a while to get the wiffle bat, but let me make some yeah, calls. But, <laughs> but you know, like, look at these million hits. It's a great idea. Yeah, there's kids, you know, wiping out on skateboards and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just, we, you know, we're selling a book. So it's a very limited, Group that's even looking online for that. Yeah, so. it's, it's taken up. It's organic. It's very yeah. organic. Very yeah. organic. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to do. I'm going to put everything we just mentioned on the what my website, AaronBosnick.com, in the show notes for this episode. Where can people follow your work? Where can they buy your book? Where can they see you at cons? Uh, PhenomComics.com. So look at it. Grab us on Instagram. That's a good one. We do a lot of Instagrams. Uh, Twitter a little bit, not really, but Instagram, Phenom Comics, anything you ever want to search, Phenom Comics. So Phenom Comics, one word, dot com, or Pound Phenom Comics, Ampersand Phenom Comics, anything Phenom Comics. It's on Vimeo, it's on YouTube, we've got a lot of promos. And our website, you can purchase Hunter Ninja Bear, uh, you can uh, get it on Amazon, on Apple. And we're looking right now, once we get two books, then we're jumping into Barnes & Nobles. Joe and I are doing a uh, meet and greet at Barbara Bookstores. They cover a lot of the Illinois, you know, area. So that's a, kind of a fun thing coming up. But uh, I guess just Phenom Comics. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I can't thank wait you, to see man. the next version of the book. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks for coming so out. Yeah. Sure. I would like to thank Tom and Joe for having me as their guest in their space and for recording this episode with me and having a great chat. I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I had some good news. Well, as of now, this is the first episode I'm able to record the beginning and end segments in my own podcasting studio. I've managed to get my own podcasting space, and I'm hoping that will improve the quality of the audio that you're hearing right now. 
part of the design of this show is that I get the audio that I get. I like to do these things on location like I did today, but the downside of that is I don't always have full control over things like background noise and acoustics and just unfortunate accidents that happen during recording. But I like to think I can make up for that a little bit with the beginning and ending segments. And there's something to be said for having just the full atmosphere when you're having an in-person conversation. So I don't want to take that away from the audience, but I really want to put out a good quality product. So having a studio is going to be great news. If you'd like to visit our website, you can go to AaronBossig.com and get the show notes on all the episodes there. You can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.